1: Good morning, good morning, Arizona and Colorado, and anybody else streaming at 1360KHNC.com. This is the Patriot Trading News Hour. Uh, our regular lead host, Joe Jaquin, has an appointment. He may join us later in the show, uh, or sometime during the half Empty Cup of Joe later. He will he will be joining us, but uh, right now you've got Jason, the co-host. Uh, I will also have Brian, uh, when he's available, joining me during the the next hour or so, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna make a, a good a good go at it. I think we have some stuff. Where, we're gonna have a I have a clip for the next segment. It's uh, another Joe that I listened to, uh, talking about inflation and pivoting from from these uh, these these interest rate hikes. You know, and and he's got a good way of, of, of making it very understandable how this stuff works. Uh, and I got a little bit of uh, you know. I got, Little bread and butter. I like to talk. You know, if you want to know what's going on economically, why you should buy gold and silver, what you should be expecting in the near future. A lot of times, your future is sitting right there in looking at your past, looking at the the, uh, history of things. So I'm going to bring a little history. I'm going to go a little, you know, a little more, you know, more more explanatory, if that's a word, for uh, what Andrew Jackson was and, and how important he was and why. Anybody that's compared to him is uh, better be better better have a lot more stuff uh, to be compared to what Andrew Jackson actually did to try to save this country and actually move this country very far forward economically and and made us a real powerfully strong nation by simply keeping the all all of the financial power elites out of the government. So. uh, the number to call—I don't have a special yet. I might—I'm uh, digging around a little bit. But if, uh, regardless, gold and silver, uh, gold's been going up. It's on a tear over the last almost two weeks now, and it's—it's it's just you haven't missed out on anything because it's—it's—it's it's, it's been in this range in, in the last year or two. But uh, it's getting ready to, to have a leg up. It's a good time to buy. We—you uh, can go to AllAmericanGold.com, and there's going to be a lot of items when you click on shop you can find all kinds of items that we're selling twenty dollar liberties you know ten dollar liberties silver eagles you know utility silver like quarters dimes and half dollars lots of stuff uh, that that you need to have to preserve your wealth in the times ahead so all you do uh, call eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two you can also order at the internet otherwise call us at 800. 800- 951-0592 and we will get you set up with what you need to buy. Also, if you need to sell, if you're in a position where you need a few bucks for all kind, you know, there's the the need for the bucks is 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 as broad as any other topic out there. We handle that side of it too once again you call that number. Uh, set up an appointment. We'll, we'll pick up and buy whatever it is that you're selling. Uh, we, 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 om- we don't buy everything. We're not doing scrap. It's one of those things that if I ever had enough time on, uh, I would probably think about doing scrap, buying jewelry and stuff. But right now, we mostly s- stick with uh, bars, coins, you know, bullion coins, old gold, which is what we specialize in. And you do all of this business with us for 26 years at our Arizona office and for almost five years at the Colorado office by calling 800 800- 9510592. That's a number. I'm surprised at how many times Joe has said that number over the last 20 years, and people still don't, don't have the number uh, written down or on a business card or something. But uh, we're going to keep screaming that number out there because that's how we do business. This is why you have radio shows to listen to, is because of that phone number, 800. 9510592. Brian, I'm a, I got a clip for the next segment. Uh, what, what's on your brain this morning? Is it, it's kind of cold here in Colorado.
2: It sure is uh November and winter is approaching but uh what do you think Andrew Jackson would think about the concept of programmable dollars in this 12 week digital dollar pilot that the Federal Reserve Bank of New York uh, announced yesterday what, what, what do you think he would once once you apprised him of the technology uh, changes from then to now what what do you think his take would be on programmable dollars but before he has knowledge of what it is
1: because I think mm-hmm. he ha- I think he would understand that money can be a lot of different things he would actually have known what a tally stick is but before yeah. he before someone tells him what it is the very first question I think you'd have Brian is who controls who? the quantity who controls it
2: who yeah who not what
1: Not yep. who, not what who who benefits off this money's creation and and who controls the dispersing of it and the and, and the usage of it and and as soon as he, he walks down that that you know that that dotted line of you know, because it's, it's never the first guy they mentioned It's always you have to you have to investigate. And once he saw who was in control of it, he'd be like, no, nope, this is this is how you ruin a nation, Brian."
2: Yeah, it's interesting. The Zero Hedge article that I'm referring to from yesterday uh, calls out the Bank of New York Mellon, quote, "the money laundering bank of the world." I thought that was kind of an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and throw it all out on the table.
1: You know, I had a question, and we may cover this too, about you know, hey, if we go to this digital money system. Uh, this is a question from from a customer. If we go to this digital money system and all the all the cash is gone, well how are all the how are all the government crooks and thieves gonna be able to do their business without there being a record of it? <laughs> that, that was the question, Brian. And wow. yeah, well it's it's interesting. It can be done in this digital system and but I think another thing that's that won't uh then we'll see it happen. When gold was uh, made illegal in the United States in nineteen thirty three gold was still being used for international dealing. So when America was doing business with England, gold was still being used. So how would the crooks of these governments, let's just say Ukraine and Russia, with, with American government people, how, how would that be carried out under a digital-only money system? It would be the same thing, Brian, as we reported a few years ago, when a big crate full of cash just landed in, uh, uh, what was it, Iraq, right? It just just, just showed up. I think they'll still be... Uh, physical paper currency for world leaders to use. For, why? Why? There's no reason why, Brian, but I think there would still be that paper usage only amongst
2: privileged people that, that are allowed to, Brian. Anonymity, maybe. They want, us, they want to be able to remain anonymous. What a concept. <laughs> that's Brian. <and laughs> Not non- for us. <laughs> that's exactly right. This is Brian. This is Jason. Patriot Trading News Hour. We'll be right
1: back. Stay with us. Welcome back, Patriot Trading News Hour. This, uh, you know, I, I thought show without Joe. Just you know, hey, we we have this show called Fake and the Truth. If you're in Arizona and you haven't uh, listened to us, it it is a gold and silver show we sell for Patriot Trading Group. But uh, we we go way off track. It's it's very very light on economic news, although we do report economic news on that show. And uh, we do kind of more Joe O'Brien, We just kind of report what's. What happens when the, the 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 corrupt money system? What 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 are the the results? What happens to people? What happens to uh, in certain situations that can be linked directly, you know, or indirectly to the, to this monetary system, Brian? I, I like what we do, uh, and we have some pretty cool guys that should come on the show now.
2: Yeah, I agree. I guess you could say that uh, we we get well, not exclusively, but we do uh, often get into the a lot of the symptoms of of this uh, corrupt fiat uh, money money system. And I just got one correction that. That uh, Zero Hedge article, I misread the uh, the punctuation. I don't think it was referring to the Bank of New York Mellon. I think it was referring to HSBC Holdings as the money laundering bank of the world. And that brings to mind uh, somewhere in a border town, southern border, there was a drive-through HSBC Bank drive-through dedicated to the drug lords running their, <laughs> run, run, run their cash through. And I even think our good old uh, FBI director, Comey, was on that board of directors at one point. I don't know if it coincided with that uh, dedicated drive-through branch there on the southern border, but just an example. Uh, you know, cash. All of us get the black eye, right, for 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 wanting to be anonymous with cash, or even more importantly, gold and silver, but uh, not the biggies, right?
1: It's funny. HSBC, uh, after the housing collapse, they didn't have or they didn't get reported as much as other big banks for having the you know the trouble of of you know the economic freeze that was happening. But after the fact, when uh, we we find out here years later with a FOIA request that they didn't print, you know, five trillion to fix things, they printed twenty nine trillion to fix things, and and, and the HSBC suddenly uh, in in the 2010, 2011, they, there was a lot of suspicion as to what they were doing after the collapse had happened, Brian, because as you're saying. They, they, they. I think they tended to have a, a maybe a part in that twenty-nine trillion, which a lot of it was going to foreign nations, foreign banks. Uh, it, it was, I mean, Japan got three trillion dollars, something like that, just just Japan. So uh, a bank like HSBC, uh, you know, operating all over the world, probably had their hands in a lot of where some of that was going, Brian.
2: Yeah, and just real quick, I, I had to look it up because I'd forgotten the, you know, the HSBC. Is abbreviation. It's a it's a British multinational, quote, universal bank, a Hong Kong Shanghai Bank Banking Corporation. So interesting uh, roots to that organization with uh, good old uh, Jolly England being at the, uh, behind at least the inception of it.
1: It's good. It's good. we might revisit that article a little bit. So what was that article That does zero hedge.
2: Yeah, here come programmable dollars.
1: Here come the programmable dollars. Um, you know. Well we'll revisit that here a little bit. I do want to do a little bit on inflation and is the Fed going to pivot too soon. Now Joe brought up uh you know Brainerd, you know the Brain I'll call her the, I'm going to call her the brain. And, and Joe's never seen the the old cartoon the pinky and the brain, but when she takes over as the Fed chief, we're going to have that little bit that I that we cut, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with our brain? We're going to take over the world. I think that's, <laughs> that's She's going to be the same next, thing as we do every everybody. night. Plan to
3: take over the world.
1: Yes, that's. We have a, a Fed chief called Brainerd coming in <laughs> to run the Fed. So we'll we'll uh, we'll be we'll be using that a little bit because uh, I know even though Joe has never seen that 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 old Disney cartoon from what I think it was in the 90s, whatever it was, I, I know that uh, a lot of people have, and it's it's fun because that's what these guys are. They're a bunch of crooks that want to take over the world, and. So now they're the ones, you know. The Fed is raising these interest rates, and we're going to have economic chaos, a, a recession, a depression, uh, inflation, a stagflation, hyperinflation—all these, all these possibilities of where things are going to go. And with Brainerd coming out and saying, "Well, you know, it's it's time for us to slow this down," well, we're going to play Joe, another another Joe, Joe Brown, that I listen to, and he he's going to map out very very nicely. And in very simple terms, what inflation is and how it actually works, and and that here's the, here's the metrics of of the slowdown uh, of inflation. The inflation isn't going away; it's just not right. You know, I'll let him explain it because I'll, I'll just be repeating it. But he's asking the question: Is the a slowing down the the hiking of the interest rates? Is this pivot that we're going to be moving towards possibly printing not too long from now? Is it happening too soon? So, Jack, go ahead.
3: and and play Joe Brown. U.S. producer price inflation declined by more than expected in October, but what does that actually mean? If we take a look at this chart from Bloomberg, we can see that it looks like inflation for producer prices has been coming down. And so we see both the gray bars, which are excluding food and energy, and then the red line, which is the inclusion of food and energy. I always have to point this out, the reason why you have core inflation readings and then The broader basket of inflation readings when they exclude food and energy to get that core reading. The only reason for that is because not because food and energy are volatile, it's because food and energy are necessary. These are literally the last things that people will give up. They'll stop buying handbags, they'll stop buying cars, they'll stop buying everything before they stop buying food and energy. People will stop paying for their mortgage, their car payment, everything. These are the last things that people keep on paying for that's at the very foundation of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so when you're trying to get away with reading a lower inflation number, you're going to say, hey, we don't want to look at food and energy because those are going to be the most accurate in terms of showing the price inflation because nobody's Nobody's giving those up. When you have things that people give up buying when they get too expensive, well, the inflation readings are going to look better for those because the prices had to stop going up once people stopped buying them because they got too expensive. But food and energy are the things with inelastic demand, and so those prices will continue to go up. Anyway, take a look at this chart. We can see that the core PPI is at 6.7%. The full basket of PPI is at 8%. It peaked out earlier this year at about 11.5% here, now down to 8 Now, the other thing to note about this is, broadly speaking, this is still disinflation. This is not deflation. So we see the numbers are coming down here, but it's still a positive number. So I always like to use the analogy of a car driving forward. If a car is moving forward, that represents prices going up. The number that things are costing, the dollar amount that things cost, is still going up. The car is moving forward. In distance, it is going forward. Now, if the car is going 65 miles an hour, and then now it's going 55 miles an hour, that means the pace at which the car is moving forward is going down. But the car is still moving forward. So with prices right now, the rate at which prices are increasing is decreasing. So year over year... When you compare prices this year to prices last year, that is 8% higher. That means prices are still higher. They're just not growing at the same pace they were earlier this year. So this is what people call disinflation. It's where prices are still going up, but the pace at which the prices are going up is declining. And disinflation is widely regarded as a precursor to deflation because if the disinflation continues for a certain amount of time, then eventually you get to the point where the prices stop going up, and if that trend continues, then the prices will actually start to fall. Now, if we dive into the details just a little bit, we can see that for certain things, prices actually have started to fall. When we look at the cost of processed goods for intermediate demand, those prices fell. Excluding food and energy, the cost slumped 0.8% and this reflects prices earlier in the production pipeline. Now as you know, inflation is a monetary phenomenon. When the money supply increases, all else being equal, prices will increase. When the money supply doesn't increase, all else being equal, there's no mechanism for sustained price increases. Now certainly there are some things that could get more expensive and other things that could get cheaper, but if we look at this, like the entire world is a closed economy. Right? There's no outside commerce and outside money coming in and out. So this is like a giant complex game of Monopoly. If in the game of Monopoly, there's no banker and you only have the people playing the game and the money that they have, there's no mechanism for prices of properties to continue to go up. Eventually, that would force somebody to go bankrupt and the same amount of money would be being used to bid back and forth between properties. Equilibrium would be reached at some point and there would be some price changes. But on average, there would be no way for prices to continually increase for that price increase to be sustained, because there's not enough money going around to continually support those higher prices. The only way for prices to continue to go up is if the money supply continues to go up. There is a lag here, and prices do not respond immediately. This is why, as I always point out, when the money supply increased at the beginning of 2022, goods and services didn't have inflation for almost a year. And now if we take a look at the money supply, we see that for this entire year, the money supply has basically moved sideways in accordance with the Federal Reserve getting tighter. This means that the price rises have to stop. There's no mechanism by which the broad basket of prices can continue to go up. Will there be certain things that continue to get expensive? Absolutely. There will also be other things that start to crash. And this is why we are seeing people from the Federal Reserve now talk about how it might be appropriate soon to move to a slower pace of rate hikes. So instead of continuing with these 0.75% increases, they'll probably move back down to a 0.5% increase and then a 0.25% increase. And they may even slow the pace at which they let assets bleed off of their balance sheet, which as you can see here, now that time has gone by, there's a definite curve forming. Most people, when I started talking at the beginning of this year about believing the Fed that they were actually going to tighten, that they'd actually let the size of their balance sheet decline, a lot of people didn't believe me. They said the Fed can never do that, the math didn't support it, that there's no way they could ever do it, there's no way they could ever tighten because you can't taper a Ponzi scheme. And even I, for a long time, said those same things. But it's important to not base our decisions off of what we wish to be true, but to continually analyze our beliefs and our wishes and our hopes against what reality shows us is true and make our decisions according with reality. Otherwise, we're gonna be screwing up, and we're gonna pay dearly for it. Which is why when you look at things like gold over the last few weeks, silver over the last few weeks, the stock market over the last few weeks, and even yields over the past few weeks. The market is starting to anticipate the Federal Reserve stopping its tightening because monetary policy takes about a year to hit the overall economy now all that tightening they've done for almost a year now is starting to hit the economy inflation is starting to slow down by many measures we're starting to see joblessness we're starting to see unemployment we're starting to see the consumer pinched which means that the end of tightening might be sooner than most people expect now that everybody has gotten used to tightening and thinking it will never end now does that mean that i think that the pain is over no, but it does mean that we might be closer to the end than many people anticipate. As always, I really appreciate you guys.
1: All right, there you go, Brian. So he's, he only says that uh, the the, uh, the tightening and the, the the interest rate hikes are coming to an end. I, uh, Joe and I have been talking about this the last uh, few days and in, in, in last week. It does look like that's what's going to happen. Now, if inflation decides to, to flare up, which it could, then they will have to continue, but... But, Brian, it looks it looks like they're going to take the rate hikes and, and slow them down, which means they're still going to hike it up. And sometime early next year, they'll just not hike the rate. Now, we'll still have higher interest rates, and pr- prices of things are still going to be higher, and inflation is still going to be there. You know, I, Brian, for them to get it down to their 2% goal, which they've talked about in, in the past, they would have to keep hiking almost all the way through next year, So which makes me believe... For whatever reason, they want these higher inflation numbers to be here for a long time.
2: I just took a quick scan of, as Joe calls it, the the rich man's channel, the website CNBC, and a couple of things. The ECB will do whatever is necessary to get inflation to 2%, the VP says. And then also, I think more importantly, signs, signs everywhere there are signs. A big short Michael Burry on his current position. Quote, you have no idea how short I am. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've
1: seen things where he sold 95% of his stocks, Brian. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not talking about his stature or his height. That's exactly right. Hey, that's Brian. I'm Jason. This is the Patriot Trade News Hour. Uh, We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Patriot Trading News Hour. The phone number to call to buy gold and silver, 800-951-0592. Gold and silver, I'm telling you, Brian and I did not buy into this company back in 2018 after Joe came on the air on Groundhog's Day and was like, you know what, I, I have radio shows in Colorado, but I don't have a physical office. Who wants to buy into my company? And he, he even put the numbers on the radio, you know, how much to pay to to buy in uh, at, at 5% or 10%. And and then uh, Brian and I, we ended up uh, meeting with Joe at a dinner and, and discussing what was going to happen and what our positions were going to be. And then you know, within within a year, Brian was fixing radio problems, and I was trying to help them with the radio problems from the old owners, which turned into Joe buying the radio station. But all through everything that's gone on, it's always been the gold and silver has been uh, Brian and I's uh, good work, in my opinion, to, to help people financially be ready for all of the stuff that we've talked about over the last four years, uh, Brian. Yeah, uh, you, Brian, you'll remember when when we joined up, and I told you. Uh, I bought in because I said that the, the next huge emergency is coming. I told you the next 9-11. I said, I didn't, I didn't know for sure what it was going to be, but you, I, don't, I think you can remember. I said, that the next big emergency is coming, and then we're going to sell a lot of gold and silver. So it made a lot of sense for me to buy into this company. And what happened uh, You know, l- almost literally two years after we joined up, coronavirus shows up, right, Brian? And it's been c- constant emergency since then.
2: A huge exodus of CEOs, and we're you know, you, you and I and Joe, we're looking at it going, uh, what's going on? Mass exodus, the uh, oh, the uh, the, the, the the banking, um, the repo uh, market was, was weak thank in 19- 19. Yeah, the repo market, yeah, yeah, was repo dying. market. And then we, when we were watching weird drone formations in early 2020, and then boom, and, and in December,
1: and in December, the emergency. December of 1919, China and and uh, Japan were selling off record amounts of treasuries right ahead of that crash. So yeah, that was. look what's happening now. Japan is at a feverish rate to sell off treasuries to, to, to uh, fix their own currency problem. Uh, will the, 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 the stunts uh, being pulled by the Fed uh, put them in a, I guess, somewhat solid footing for them to kick the can down the road uh, for a little while longer? And part of me, Brian, believes that if, they know they have the metrics. They have a good idea of what's going to happen, so they try to time it. And I don't know, but Brian. it's still
2: like it's still like that piece that you just played. Jason, I missed the first part, but I got the second part. You know that that one about a year lag of monetary policy changes Correct. actually getting the, the the economy. So you know, it's it's basically like you're trying to uh, you're trying to herd an animal with a long stick with that one that one year. And uh, uh, I'm sure they get it right most of the time, but uh, when they don't get it right.
1: Yeah, so what we're going to be looking at, Brian, is are the markets going to show tremendous pain and suffering, or will the Fed be able to push that pain and suffering down the road, so to speak, a little bit? Because it's going to come. It's going to come, and it's going to be really bad, but is it going to be next year? It looks like next year, but it could be 2024. And what happens in 2024? you got a presidential election, right? You you have a lot of geopolitical things that could be happening uh, when this thing starts to fall apart. So, hey. We don't. We can't blame the Fed for being thieves and crooks. We have to blame the emergency that's that's being perpetrated upon the world, and whether that be another pandemic, or a, a war heating up in Europe, uh, Taiwan and China, or something that we ha- or we're not thinking of right on the show. There's going to be an emergency, Brian, and we know this. You know that the January 6th, uh, you know, tourist, the tourists that walk through the Capitol building. You know, the the, tourist, the unarmed tourist
2: insurrection. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and I know, I know there were some broken windows, and I I'm, don't don't get me wrong. There's always, there's always uh, some very uh, enthusiastic people when they when you have a large gathering. But I'll tell you right now, if that was really a riot, and that was really crazy people that were, were uh, trying to bring down the the uh, and, and really upset about the election results, why didn't they just burn the whole building down? I mean, it just yep. takes one lighter and a little bit of of, of Flammable, flammable materials, Brian. They could, they could have done some huge damage.
2: It just, it you want to, you t- want to talk t- about? You want, you want to talk about Occupy Wall Street? Um, that that would be Occupy DC. That if that was truly an insurrection, you're right.
1: Correct, and and they turned that into the January sixth emergency. And oh, well, we won't even have an American. I mean, people freaked out. They actually believed what some of these panicked liberal TV stations were saying that oh, this could be the end of our our freedoms and our government. I mean, that's scary stuff. And then, boom, emergency, right? And, and the economic weakness, which was, that's when transitory was coming in. Transitory. Well, transitory showed up because 40% of the entire money supply in 2020 was printed during the coronavirus emergency. So look at how long they strung out the January 6th emergency, right? At about the time that the inflation, they finally admitted the inflation late in 2021, before people could get mad at the Fed for this inflation, bang, there's a Ukraine war. And oh, Russia is going to mess up the economic world with all of their evil deeds. Right, Brian? So so the explanation of the Ukraine war causing uh, problems in the economy, or or, or that they're causing the inflation or or any of this, that's not, it's wearing thin. So why do I get the feeling we're on, the next uh, emergency of some sort is, is heading our way, Brian, so that Hey, don't don't point at the Fed. It's the new emergency, Brian.
2: Yeah, well, and there's the the public education. You, you know, when that's working, when there's little or low public attention on the the, the true underlying financial reasons behind these things and these these excuses, these uh, scapegoats, the uh, Ukraine issue, the like you said, the January sixth ordeal, uh, all, all these other scapegoats, anything but what what's really underlying. Uh, global, nationally and globally, what the real issues are. On the next segment,
1: I'm going to play a clip. It's, it's just it's kind of a fun, satirical. Andrew Jackson has been uh, he's being put to a court of law, right? So you have a, you have a prosecutor saying that he's evil, and you have a defense attorney saying, "Well, wait a minute, maybe we need to look at this a little differently." And they do a good job of kind of singing both sides of the argument very well, actually. But what I like about Andrew Jackson's time, and we'll talk uh, with what time we have left. <clears throat> he, unlike today when we're talking about emergencies to cover up financial thievery, he was squashing the emergencies as best he could so that the country would be whole and, and, and could operate correctly. So for an example, oh, he, he was a slave owner and he killed Indians. Well, one thing that Andrew Jackson was running into is Georgia. Oh, here it is. You know, people talk about Georgia the last couple of years with voting, right? Well, There was a gold rush in Georgia. People don't get this. There was a, a huge, mad rush to Georgia. And who was there? Indians, right? Native Americans, however you want to call them. And the people that had moved to Georgia to, to prosper had an overwhelming uh, policy of extermination. That was not Andrew Jackson. That was the people there, and so a deal was struck. The Indians, you know, the, the, the Native American tribes, they signed the deal and, and they moved. This piece I'm going to play in the next segment. It, it'll, it'll be it's interesting because I want to talk about some of these misnomers of what Andrew Jackson did. He, great president. He did not want to have another South Carolina problem. South Carolina was going to secede from the nation. Indian removal had a lot to do with being what you have to be as a leader. You're trying to, trying to help everybody out. we we'll right back. All right, welcome back. Patriot Trading News Hour. I'm just going to go ahead uh, and, and play this uh, Andrew Jackson piece, just so you can see. And then I've got some quotes and a little bit of information. I could do a whole show on Andrew Jackson, but I'll, I'm going to do a shortened version. But this is kind of like the people versus Andrew Jackson. Jack, go ahead and play that piece. National
4: hero or public enemy number one. Historical figures are often controversial, but few were as deified or vilified in their lifetime as the seventh president of the United States. This is History vs. Andrew Jackson. Order, order. Mm. Uh, What were we? Ah, yes. Mr. Jackson, you stand accused of degrading the office of the presidency, causing financial collapse, and wanton cruelty against American Indians. How do you plead? Now, Your Honor, I am not a big city lawyer, but I do know a few things. And I know that President Jackson was a self-made frontiersman, a great general, a real man of the people. Your Honor, this man of the people was a gambler, a drunk, and a brawler. Why, I've heard it said that he would fight at the drop of a hat and then drop the hat himself. I ask you, was such a man fit for the most distinguished office in the nation? Can we forget the debacle of his inauguration? Who ever heard of inviting a drunken mob into the White House? It took ages to get the upholstery clean. That drunken mob, sir, was the American people, and they deserve to celebrate their victory. Order, order. Now, did this celebration have pie? Very well. Mr. Jackson, is it not the case that immediately upon assuming office you introduced the spoils system, replacing hundreds of perfectly good federal employees with incompetent party loyalists? Your Honor, the President did no such thing. He tried to institute rotation in office to avoid any profiteering or funny business. It was the rest of the party who insisted on giving posts to their lackeys. But Mr. Jackson complied, did he not? Now, uh, see here. Moving on. Mr. Jackson, did you not help to cause the financial panic of 1837 and the ensuing economic depression with your obsessive war against the Bank of the United States? Was not vetoing its reauthorization, as you did in 1832, an act of irresponsible populist pandering that made no economic sense? Your Honor, the gentleman has quite the imagination. That bank was just a way for rich yanks to get richer. And all that money panic was caused when British banks raised interest rates and cut lending. To blame it on the president is preposterous, I say. But if Mr. Jackson had not destroyed the National Bank, it would have been able to lend to farmers and businesses when other credit dried up, would it not? Hmm, this is all highly speculative. Can we move on? Certainly, Your Honor. We now come to Mr. Jackson's most terrible offense, forcing entire tribes out of their native lands via the Indian Removal Act. I resent that accusation, sir. The U.S. of A. bought that land from the Indians fair and square. Do you call coercion and threats by a nation with a far more powerful army fair and square? Or signing a treaty for removing the Cherokee with a small group that didn't include their actual leaders? They didn't even have time to properly supply themselves before the army came and forced them to march the Trail of Tears. Now hold on a minute, this was all Van Buren's doing after President Jackson left office. But Mr. Jackson laid the groundwork and made sure the treaty was ratified. All President Van Buren had to do afterwards was enforce it. Look here, Your Honor. Our government's been purchasing Indian land since the beginning, and my client was negotiating these deals even before he was president. President Jackson truly believed it was best for the Indians to get compensated for their land and move out west, where there was plenty of space for them to keep living the way they were accustomed, rather than stick around and keep buttonheads heads with the white settlers, some of whom, I remind our court, wanted to exterminate them outright. It was a different time. And yet, even in this different time, there were many in Congress and even the Supreme Court who saw how wrong the Removal Act was and loudly opposed it, were there not? My client was under a great deal of pressure. I say, do you think it's easy governing such a huge country and keeping the Union together when states are fixing to nullify federal laws? President Jackson barely got South Carolina to back down over those import tariffs and then Georgia had to go discover gold and start grabbing up Cherokee land, it was either get the Indians to move or get in another fight with a state government. So you admit that Mr. Jackson sacrificed moral principles to achieve some political goals. I do declare, show me one leader who hasn't. As societies change and morals evolve, yesterday's hero may become tomorrow's villain, or vice versa. History may be
1: bad. There you go, Brian. We have a pretty good little piece that's, I think, fair on both sides of the argument, but it shows, hey, uh... He, he had no civil war happened on his watch which easily could have happened because the bankers were involved he avoided those he avoided huge uh, problems with the individual states with the, with the uh, federal government and uh, as i will uh, talk about uh, to finish off this segment and the last segment economically he was he was warding off some of the evils that made the colonists move away from europe go over the atlantic ocean and settle here in the united states i mean People did that. They, they, they put their hands in the soil and built something out of nothing, and they did that because they wanted their freedoms because uh, living in Europe was just not working anymore, Brian.
2: Yeah, they really put it all on the line to, to do that, to take those risks, so it must have been pretty darn appealing, you're right, to, to uh, willingly uh, subject themselves and their families to those high risks of, first of all, crossing the seas, and then uh, once they did arrive. Trying, An- to, trying to survive
1: Andrew Jackson was the la- the, the last and only uh, American president to pay off the national debt because he eliminated the Federal Reserve of his time, the second bank of the United States. Here's a quote: Gentlemen, I too have been a close observer of the doings of the Bank of the United States. I have had men watching you for a long time, and I am convinced that you have used the funds of the bank to speculate in the bread the breadstuffs of a- of the our country. When you have won, you have divided the profits amongst you. When you lost, you charged it to the bank. You tell me that if I take the deposits from your bank and annul its charter, I shall ruin 10,000 families. That might be true, gentlemen, but that is your sin. Should I let you go on, you will ruin 50,000 families, and that would be my sin. You are a pit of thieves and vipers. I have been determined to rout you out, and by the eternal God, I will rout you out. Brian, you could only dream to have such
2: leaders in government today. Well, and I, I kind of overlooked this before, but being the seventh president, uh, from my understanding, the number seven in in uh, biblical terms has some some significance, and it does for me too. So he's the first. That he's of. the first log cabin president, Brian. Mm-hmm. Wow! And they reward him by slapping him on the ten, and then putting him on the twenty. Exactly. We got one more segment, guys. Brian and
1: Jason Patriot Trade News Hour. We'll get back just a moment. The number to call 800 592 to buy gold and silver, go to allamericangold.com, you can order from there. Talk to the ladies over there in our Arizona office and get yourself set up with a currency that Andrew Jackson carried in his pocket and showed people real money uh, on a regular basis. Ch- check this out, Brian. This is a uh, 1913 Federal Reserve. Early in the year the federal income tax had been passed already. Uh, Since its inception in 1913, uh, the Federal Reserve has changed the very nature of money from a tangible asset into an intangible, exponentially growing debt. I'm going to read this one quick quote from Charles Lindbergh, and he was exactly right. This, This Federal Reserve Act establishes the most gigantic trust on earth. When the president signs this bill... The invisible government by the monetary power will be legalized. The people may not know it immediately, but the day of reckoning is only a few years removed. The worst legislative crime of the ages is perpetrated by this banking bill. When he says, hey, uh, in a couple of years, the pain's going to be felt. Yeah. Yeah. World War I, the Depression, World War Two, and a complete change of the world monetary system... And it was it was basically checkmate right there, Brian. Because I don't think there's ever been a real threat to getting rid of the central bank, which is now every country has a central bank that's either the Bank of England, the Fed, or something like it.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm amused by I've, I've been reading a little bit here uh, from the Smithsonian Magazine, and definitely a F- Federal Reserve pro Federal Reserve article, probably the entire institution. But they're talking about the. Uh, uh, the national banking system, which had printed the notes before the Federal Reserve, and then listen mm-hmm. to this: to stabilize the system, the government created the Federal Reserve System. And then, you know, <laughs> that nice, nice, simple way of, of pitching and glossing over what what that really meant. I didn't, hey, Brian. I did not know the. I did not
1: know the government was on Jekyll Island. Right? <laughs> they just sure, said the government yeah. crea- They said the government <laughs> created this. The government was on Jekyll Island. They weren't planning that. Anybody who has not read the book or at least listened to it on tape or whatever, you can go listen to this. The the Creatures from Jekyll Island. It will tell you how quietly – I mean people, because of Andrew Jackson's time and because of Abraham Lincoln and because of uh, James Garfield and uh, William Jennings Bryan late in the 1800s, these guys kept it directly in the minds of Americans to a large extent why a central bank was destructive – and, of course, it took someone like J.P. Morgan and a huge crash of the market to 1907 where he came in with his big fat wad of cash. He's like, look, I'm bailing you people out, but you guys better figure something out. What a trick, Brian, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it was an interesting how they, uh, they had to go, go so, so secret. And we know what uh, JFK, you know, not a perfect guy, not a perfect president, but what he said about secret societies.
1: Yeah, if you keep it secret, it makes it a lot easier to steal. If you don't know who's stealing from you, ha- I mean, how many times have we heard Brian in the, in the news over the last, I'd say, decade? oh, Target's been hacked. All your personal information's been downloaded to some hacker. Who? I mean, one of these days, can't they catch one of these hackers and say, Oh, it's uh, it's this guy in Russia. Here he is. Here's his picture. They never catch the hacker, do they, Brian? They just let you know that your information has been stolen over and over and over again by different corporations to the point where it's like, well, it's been stolen 15 times, but nothing's really happened to me. Meanwhile, inflation's destroying and who put that hacker? And,
2: right. And, and and who put that hacker up to it in the first place? What, what, maybe an agent or a contractor to HSBC? Or is it know, the corporation
1: say. itself just selling your information and they call it a hacker? <laughs> right, Brian? Maybe,
2: right, <laughs> Like like a lot of computer viruses, the the computer companies themselves would uh, kind of farm that out. So they could have a fix for it, huh?
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn...